0: Welcome everyone to the Transformation Nurse Academy podcast. This is our weekly episode, Talk with Kevin, where we cover topics for all nursing fields with extra emphasis on emergency and critical nursing. Get ready for candid discussions that explore the vast landscape of nursing and beyond. My new podcast is
1: called Transformation Nurse Academy. Because I want to transform nursing. I want to tra- change because I see what you see. Like, we have educators, I talked about this yesterday, we have educators in the hospital in each department, but they never come and educate us. They're always just saying, Michael, you got your HLCs are due, hurry
0: up. But they never come and teach you anything. So yeah. why the fuck
1: do we have these educators if we're not using them to educate
0: They're people? They're honestly there to, like, basically record KPIs and do gap analysis, but not have any knowledge of what's happening
1: in the weeds. So I talked about that. And I'm not saying this for every manager, but managers and charge nurses, they become these leaders. But there's no leadership classes on how to be a charge nurse, how to be a manager. Nope. Most of them don't even know their own fucking policies. And nope. they're telling these nurses, like I had a new nurse yesterday. She works as a charge nurse in the red zone. I don't know if you know what a red zone is, but she works That's in the, the red zone. hot zone. zone. Yes. <laughs> she works in the red zone at CRMC. She's only been a nurse a year and a half. She's already a fucking charge nurse. Why? That's what I said. <laughs> and she said her preceptor told her that if she has a patient that needs to be defibrillated, she needs to wait for the residence. I'm like, wait for the residents? Yeah, I'm like, if you're waiting, you're delaying care, and now your license is going to be a jeopardy. I said, stop listening to your stupid preceptors and charge nurses and read your fucking policy. Like, that's what's going to yep. get you out of trouble.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy, man. You're right. People don't even know their own policy.
1: Yeah, I ask people that. So, if you were came to my class, I said Michael, how long have you worked for the WCRN?
0: Two years.
1: How many policies have you read? I've written ten. Oh, see, you've written them. So, but most people, what will they answer me when I ask them that question?
0: <laughs> None.
1: Right, and I'm like, you've been there two fucking years. If you would have read one policy, just read one every day you go to work, you would have already read a whole damn manual but
0: back. And the forth. problem is. They do have certain things that they review during a new hire. It's all the sexual harassment bullshit, how to do your timekeeping, how to do the EHR system. Now, where the hell are the SOPs related to your department? That's never done.
1: They're online, online and you sign a piece of paper that you're going to go and read them. Well. Then people tell me that they don't know how to find them, but they teach you that in that first week mm -hmm. of training, where to find them. Yeah. I eat sleep and drink policies because I love it. I use it to fuck with the manager.
0: I will answer their email the same day um, most of the time because I try to clear my emails by the end of the day. Yes. I even come home and make sure they're cleared at night and or unread them so it's like they're still there in the morning so I can go right to it. Right. But these people like they take weeks sometimes. And it's like, why? What are you doing? Did you hear that, Miss Pat? And I'm like, you know, I have signature lines, like with my cell phone and this and that. Some of them don't even have a number or they have, they're like hiding behind their voicemail. Right. You know, it's like, I know damn well that you're sitting in an office somewhere. You don't talk to people or whatever. You're just doing this and that. And you don't have time to answer your phone. It's ridiculous. And it's funny how sometimes when they do answer their phone, they're like, oh, shit. My phone's right. ringing. <laughs>
1: right.
0: i got to talk to a human. Right.
1: right. <laughs> it's true, though. I have it all the time because I send out yeah. emails to people. Like, Miss Pat, she got like 12,000 emails. That's why I keep saying Miss Pat. She's the worst. I'm like, read mm. your fucking emails. Like, what's wrong with you, lady? Yeah. I, said, I got zero emails in my email. Like, I mean, I have emails, but they're all red. I answer right away. That's Right people text the company all the time i'm always answering like i'll answer yep. at two o'clock in the those morning. those
0: who are listening up. he's not lying i listening. can vouch for that
1: <laughs> i didn't make you feel pressured did i no i mean i didn't bust your balls or anything i just i just No, asked sir me. i mean i ne- didn't ask you ne- i asked you know
0: me. who did was i'm gonna i'm gonna McKenzie. put her out nelly
1: oh yeah yeah well because i she asked me because i let you know
0: that we were talking like separately she wanted to do it together
1: with you. And I said, well, Michael wants to do it at 7.30 in the morning. Because I know you probably are like me. You get up early and stuff. Nellie wants to do it at 6.30 at night. So I guess she's not a morning person.
0: Yeah, I, 6.30 at night don't work for me because I got my daughter crawling all over me and all yeah, that yeah. stuff.
1: I got This It I said. gonna work. Yeah, so I told Nellie, Michael and I do it this morning and you and I will do it tomorrow afternoon. I'm okay. Yeah. I, I messed her name up because I said it. I did an episode already on you and Nellie and. Mackenzie, but i really tortured fucking Mackenzie's name pronounce her last name for me i'm fucking white via lobos via lobos i don't even know what i was thinking of stuff but i must have been drunk so yeah. thank you Mackenzie via lobos from the women's cancer research network i appreciate you getting me and michael together
0: kevin yeah. honestly like uh gave me your business card you know i reached out to you i think the next day and we i'm a man of my word i wanted to do this didn't have a chance during the conference like i told you i felt like i was at a i know a i saw with, you
1: you're like a little school boner, girl with you all your I mean? friends and
0: stuff i got I saw that yeah and you Don't came be- to me when i had a fresh plate of food i'm like man i gotta eat this <laughs> hey
1: that's where you get people's best interviews <laughs> catch them off oh, <laughs> when yeah yeah See, I'm good at this. I know when to catch people. I'm not shy, yeah. though. That's where I get in trouble. Like I I'm not shy. I don't care. What's the worst thing you could have told me? Nothing. Yeah, you could say, fuck you. I don't want to do it. Because I was a little disheartened. Now, don't be mad at me. What the hell is that lady's name, too? I even talked shit about her in the first episode. She's the one that did the tumor lysis syndrome.
0: Uh, that's Cheryl. Cheryl,
1: yeah. So thank you, Cheryl, for not doing my podcast. I really love you. I wish you could see my eyes rolling. But I do love Cheryl. Like, she was awesome. I loved that. But I asked her to sit down and talk to me about it, but she wouldn't because she said she didn't want to be famous. I
0: think that she, she, is, she, she is She is famous, and she's I hella intelligent. Her,
1: right? I know. That's why I wanted to talk to her about it. So I, I think it's because she's a chief nursing executive at Kaiser. So I understand. Maybe. Once, once I found out that, I said, yeah, I guess maybe. She don't want to hang out with the riffraff and maybe give a bad name and shit. So I get it. I don't take it personal, but I would have liked to sit down and talk to her about it because I was fascinated by that
0: section of the class. I was, too. You know, I even liked the other gals about the Wildebrands. I mean, you know, von so Wildebrand
1: was hard for me to hear. I couldn't
0: hear her very well. I wish she would have talked louder. Well, she had a thick Filipino accent, yes. too. Yeah. So, but her slides were on point. I was like, you know, I learned something, you know, I ain't gonna right. lie. Even me- and especially with... With Cheryl's, I learned something, and you know, I, too. I think we all brought that to the table that day. I don't know. And uh, you,
1: yeah, I don't know if you know him. His name's Mark Stephen. Do you know who Mark Stephen is? He's a flight nurse. I posted a picture about you know the conference, and he said, "Just had a patient the other night with tumor lysis syndrome, and I haven't seen this since nursing school." I was like, "Wow, Holy shit!" So that's why I was fascinated because as an ER nurse, we might see it. That was one right. thing I asked you, Nelly. Why? Because somebody asked me that when I posted that I was coming to your conference. Why should me, an ER nurse, care about cancer and cancer patients?
0: That's an easy question to answer. I mean, answer that for it. It's assumptive that they're going to go into a the outpatient clinic and just get their therapy and go home and be all hunky dory. Antibiotics and other like standard of care drugs and other diseases everything has a, a side effect and there's a risk versus benefit and what do chemotherapy normally do historically especially you know you let's go back 10-15 years ago when we had less anti drugs and less long-acting anti-emetic drugs so you would see them like on the daily just barfing their guts out or having like massive diarrhea because we didn't have like standard protocols for like antiemetics, hydration, pre and post chemotherapy, and or like telling them to take Imodium or something for loose stools and setting that up or even writing prescriptions for like lomatil or, or whatever. So
1: you said protocols. So do you have protocols in place now? Like for your chemotherapy. There are a patient?
0: lot of standard protocols that hospitals now have for certain highly emetic treatments. Absolutely. And then there's some doctors that are more keen to it and more proactive. So you as an ER nurse are definitely seeing that the population of the nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea for sure. Tumor lysis syndrome for sure. And then in my arena for clinical trials, nobody knows what the hell's doing that. So, cause I'm doing phase one through three. So phase one or first in human. So all we know is what adverse events happen to the hamster or to the beagle or whatever no i'm serious
1: (laughs) no i know i believe i'm not Uh, making funny i just i love it because people don't realize what you do human
0: trials and sometimes even with that investigator brochure from the phase the animal study you know we really don't know because our physiology is similar but but similar ain't the same same. right right (laughs) and the fact of the matter is those animals are infected with vectors they are healthy healthy animals that don't have anything going on with them and they get infected with like triple negative breast cancer to do this triple negative study right Right. and that's the fact i mean i don't know if people know that it's common knowledge they
1: do but but, you know that's where all these other organizations get crazy and shit because you're messing with
0: animals they do have animal organizations and you know what i could have went on side discussions about that but i would have been talking for hours i know you know what i mean it's so hard to like put something concise so i know with protocols that are clinical trial protocols they have to have with them when they sign the informed consent form a patient card the card basically says i'm subject number 101 and i'm on this protocol so they are told from day one to hold on to that and to bring it to them wherever they're at so our job as researchers to educate them of each cycle visit while they're getting these investigational products, if you by chance have an issue and have to go to urgent care, your PCP, who's not your principal investigator for the trial and or ER hospitalization, you need to present them that because so you patient. might be going to a, a center that's not in the same EHR system and they have to know what you're going, what you're doing. And so, like, I don't I do know. What would do with that like,
1: card though? What would I do with that card as
0: a nurse? So pilot? what so you would do. To... Here goes the awareness you came and saw my talk. I've been invited by sponsors to discuss a clinical trial and investigator meeting. So investigator meetings happen after a trial starts and back in the day before COVID, they'd fly us out to Copenhagen or Germany or this or that. It's like wherever the company's usually based is where they would right. have it. And it was super cool the coordinator and the principal investigator would go out there, meet all Of the people on the study team, all of the vendors related to the the study, like who does the EDC, the imaging, the lab, and and all that business, right? The payments, yada, yada. And it's great. But fast forwarding to COVID, and recently, they've gotten really lame, and they've been virtual. So (laughs) I had, um, at my old job, we did a Pfizer trial, Mm. and it was a phase one. We uh, randomized the first patient in the world. And they were asking me from a site perspective, like how we went about screening patients and what our hustle was. So I was honored to do that. That was kind of like my first, I guess, speaking per se. I'm used to speaking in groups, but I'm used to being the man. You know what I mean? I'm just talking about what I know. And it's kind of like you, you know, you live and breathe what you do. It's very fluid. And I was the same way, but my arena was the skills lab. At Fresno City College so I was clinical adjunct there and it was fun and it was funny like you know I called them my kids right but right. it was funny I'd have students that were kind of older than me sometimes you know you get these housewives that are like you know they've raised their kids and then now they're finally yes. going back to school and you got this 40 year old or or whatever in nursing school and it it's not far-fetched it happens no, all the time yeah
1: I'm getting a lot of 50 year old women coming through my classes now because it's just what
0: you said exactly exactly yeah. So those are like kind of my first things. And then now since I'm in clinical trials, I have participated in uh, conferences called MAGI. And MAGI is a conference that's done by WCG. WCG and Avera are like the two conglomerates of international review boards. Mm. So WCG has their conferences. Avera has theirs. So I've done like session chair. And then I've done... Uh, Panel discussions with them. So, this was like my first speaker not being on a panel. You know what I mean? Right. So, I kind of had some nerves about it, you know? No, no, no. I get you.
1: So, first tell everybody what company you work for, if you can. I don't want to get you in trouble. And then tell us how you got in it and why you decided to get into that.
0: That's an interesting story. So, I I work for one time as
1: you. So, whenever you got to go, you tell me so.
0: I work for Women's Cancer Research Network. So Women's Cancer Research Network, the background on that. So Dr. Perkins, my CEO, he was a general hemonc here in Fresno for many years. And his last part of his career, he focused on breast and gynom. He was part of a network through UCLA called Tori. And they did, it was a cooperative study with multiple sites to do the Herceptin trials. So he was part of that initial Herceptin trials, right? And a principal investigator for that. And our board members, as I discussed in the talk, are from Stanford. Dr. Oliver Dorigo, Jonathan Barrick, they're part of Koji, which is the Gynonc surgical group. They're both like attending physicians, researchers, principal investigators. And then Mark Pegram is a breast surgeon, part of Stanford. So, you know, For years, they've been trying to get him to go to Stanford and assist them with um, clinical trials, you know, breast and gynon focus. And, you know, Perkins was like, well, he wanted to do it. But at that time, he was in Fresno. He had like a ranch. And, you know, he's like, well, if I like leave this and go over there, I'm going to be like spending $10,000 a month in Palo Alto or Los Gatos. To live in an apartment. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's true,
1: though. That's right.
0: Yeah. So he's like, didn't happen. And then fast forward to about three years ago, Sante. Who's a practice management company locally in Fresno? You probably right. know of them. That's the one um, that had the big split with
1: CRMC and the Valley yeah, Children's. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know all the details about that, but that that's I don't the same need to understand yes. out of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna yeah, deflect. <laughs> Sante had raised some money through the Sante Foundation, and Dr. Perkins had gone to them, and this was money that you know physicians had kind of put into there, right? And he right. was one of them. So part of the funds that were in this pot of gold from his practice, you know, because he was part of the Sante group. They were his practice management company until like earlier this year. So he went to them, said, hey, you know, I'd like to do, you know, a research project that's uh, for these funds. And so he's at his office and now at his office, there's like some people that were at Care that I had worked with. Right. Oh, yeah. And so I had some of my old colleagues working there. He's in a meeting and telling them, you know, we got these funds. I want to do research here. And who do I get to do this? And like two of the nurses there, oh, you got to call Michael. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then so she calls me and I'm going to put her on blast. Crystal, Crystal is your fault. She knows it.
1: What's Crystal's last
0: name? (laughs) She's Filipino. Bartolome. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Crystal. Great gal. You're going to meet her one of these days in passing she's out to do big and good things i like that it's good so she called me and said perkins wants to talk to you about doing trials and at this point i'm at C care and i'm the clinical research nurse was the manager and there was some stuff going on there but you know i said i have a job you know what do i need to talk to him for so i'll just talk to him he wants to get some ideas from me i'm like yeah okay sure so this is what happened like seven interviews later Holy because shit. I was grilling this guy, you know, I and so I wait, was, wait, You're telling always, me you're
1: busting always, the chops of a doctor.
0: Well, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I'm trying to scare him because it's a big endeavor. You know, right. it's, it's a lot. So here we are. You know, I was the first one hired by myself. So Dr. Perkins a, is the
1: one who started the Women's Cancer Research Network.
0: He is the one. He's the, the CEO That's and nice. co-founder. Absolutely. He, brought you up,
1: you, he brought you on along. or You guys did it together, should I say. Yes, absolutely. See, that's amazing, dude. You don't, Do they, you not realize what you just said?
0: You, I know what I said. Mont,
1: little old RM from Fresno, California, helped
0: build the Women's Cancer Research Network. That's right. But that's I didn't crazy, do it by dude. myself. I
1: know, but that's crazy, dude.
0: I brought in some uh, really, really, really good people that helped get the SOPs done, Help run the the regulatory and uh, clinical research coordinator position. Hello, you in the background?
1: <laughs> uh, Ariana, Michael said hi. <laughs> <laughs> She's
0: out. <laughs> I don't Michael want to be on hi. this. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to be on this feed. That's, that's
1: my right hand woman right there. She's the one that keeps me out of trouble. Her and Ms. Okay,
0: Pat. that's good. That's good. That's crazy. Yeah, though. I love that. We all need those. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly I can't believe that we did it. It was so much work. You always have like a lot of walls and things and in our industry and probably in yours, too. You want things done yesterday, but yesterday is the way everybody thinks and works, right? Yes. This doesn't happen. It gives me ulcers. Yeah, it does. I needed a beer yesterday after I got off work. I honestly didn't even have time. I had to go to Candy Cane Lane and all that. Oh, shoot. Maybe today I'll get a beer. I'll buy you a beer. I haven't Sounds gone to
1: cancer stuff in a long time because I don't know if you know I got six kids, dude. I got two wow. boys, four two boys, four girls. My oldest is thirty-five, but my youngest is ten. She still believes in Santa Claus, so right. I gotta, I you, gotta keep you're up not story. old enough
0: to have a thirty-five year old. I'm fifty-five, dude. Well, that means you started early, dude. I did. I didn't I was have twelve boy. Yeah, I got a four year old and a nineteen year old. I'm Go going ahead. on fifty two. See I
1: spent almost yep. 12 years in the army, so I was a combat medic for a while before I became a nurse and stuff, so that's why I'm so
0: cool Well, that's why <laughs> ER suits you.
1: I love it, man. I love it. I, I was know. A trauma, I was a trauma ICU nurse for a while, but, and I like trauma ICU, but I love ER even better. But I had to stay mm-hmm. away for a while because I'm not really getting burned out, but I wasn't, I don't want to be that jaded nurse because I have a smiling personality. I'm always pretty much mm-hmm. nice stuff, but. Sometimes I was getting a little bit jaded, so I needed to walk away. So I stepped away for a while, but I'm coming
0: back. I like, well, that's I like why hers. that's why I got into trials because you know I was a hemoc nurse for so many years and been there, done that. Even with new treatments and learning, I just got kind of like sort of bored with it. Right. And then I, I like you. started like to get interested in trials. So I I was a study nurse initially, and then you know I went to the director, and I said you know. This department needs a help. You all are running around like with your heads cut off here and you're disorganized. I said, right now they have a Southern manager in in San Diego and we were considered the Northern. So I said, I'll do it, but you know, I want to be the manager, you know? Right. And he said, sure, go for it. This is the bummer. Don't ever do this. Like (laughs) when someone asks you, well, how much do you want us to pay you? And I talked to one of my friends about this and I said, His next name's Shiz, right? Brandon. And Brandon's actually the guy that brought me into nursing. I was going to go the pharmacy route because I was a pharmacy technician for 10 years prior to a nurse. But like I was more influenced and and excited about the nursing aspect of it, right? And I did uh, infusion stuff for a community ambulatory infusion center over there in Blackstone, Dakota, where original cancer center was for community. And I was a supervisor there. So. You know, what is CCI now was over there. Right. And like all the old folks are still like part of CCI. It's funny. When I go there. It's like a reunion. Right. But anyway, I don't know. What the hell was I talking about? You were talking about, about
1: Shiz was telling you not to ask for okay. how, much, how much money you're going to ask.
0: Exactly. So he broke it down to me like this. He's all, Okay. Your staff, you make this, right? You're a supervisor, you make this, right? You're a manager, you make this, right? So I said, okay, and you know I'm not greedy, I know, you know,
1: but you, you're working twenty four seven
0: as a manager, you're on salary. Well, yeah, I Holiday moved from like weekends. I moved from hourly to salary, and I was working sixteen hour days right. here and there. That's why you got to ask for more. Yeah, so I mean, I was stupid. I only asked for like $135,000 a year. Well. It was close. It wasn't that. I,
1: I know, but I tell people that. People think I'm crazy when I suggest that, but I'm like, look, if you're a manager, you're getting a salary, you're working 24-7, holidays, weekends, you're always on call, get what you mm-hmm. deserve. If they don't want to pay you, then tell them to piss off. Like You, right. you deserve
0: it. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. What's the worst thing they're going to say? No. And then move on to something else, Then Who cares?
0: But what, what I I'm told them, you know, I knew that he had, a max he had a, a glass ceiling of what he would give me well i and want that max <laughs> what no but when i told him what i wanted he just went right to the computer and wrote it and i signed it and i'm like damn that was too easy i could ask for right. more see right mm.
1: <laughs> that's
0: good though but at least you got what you asked for now,
1: that's sight. not is that a different job
0: or is that this job that's a different job oh yeah yeah so
1: that's good you no know, I
0: asked I ask for more at this job because now I'm a director and I honestly I oh, do yeah. everything that's good though that's nice and I like you deserve and it. uh you know as a director you know I have complete transparency and visibility of the P&L as well too right so right. I know that I can't like right now you know give raises especially to myself because right. uh, it's just not there I'm not going to ask for it because I'm not right. greedy You know, I am. I'm in it to win it. I started this thing to be successful. We have had a lot of hurdles that we've had to jump, and we're barely getting set up at our second satellite site. The first one fizzled, and it is what it is. You know, what can we do?
1: What can we do as a nursing community or just a community general to help the Women's Cancer Research Network? What can we do to help you? Where do we go?
0: What do we do? The community. I don't know what the community can do. The community can. basically become more involved and kind of do their own research and check it out. You know, go to these community events that are women's focused. But do you and, have a website uh, that I can send people to? Those are all in my slide. Oh, I got you. I got you. All right. Okay. All I'll in make my sure, slide. I'll make sure we but Like, you know, if you ask somebody right now, like, who do you know in your personal circle, friends, family has cancer But you know? 20 years ago people would say, "Well, I don't really have anybody." Now, everybody, everybody has somebody. My sister had yep. breast cancer. You My know, mom had a twice
1: double mastectomy.
0: Yeah. My primary care ca- provider I had cancer. Awesome.
1: I had cancer. Yep,
0: 2009, I had a transverse colon yeah. transverse colon malt lymphoma. It's an indolent, very slow growing. They found it on a colonoscopy. It looked like a polyp, but it was a cancerous polyp, right? right. And in the lymph tissue. So they snipped it out. So surgical removal and the pathology came back positive for the cancer. They went in like uh, a week later after the pathology results to go in and clean the margins, which is kind of a, I guess, a technique that's very common for these types of cancers. So, you know, stage 1E. So just locally right there, didn't like go into the colon itself. It was just kind of superficial in the lymph tissue on
1: But what do you mean? I know what it means, but tell everybody what you mean by clean the margins. What do they do exactly when they clean your margins?
0: So, you have a tumor that in my case a polyp, so the polyp is removed. And normal, I guess surgical procedure probably is to cauterize or something like that to I guess stabilize, you know, blood flow and all that kind of stuff because you can't just cut something and then take it out and go. So, they're right, going right. to you know, stabilize it and and get it to kind of like stop bleeding and whatnot and then you know they send it to pathology and now that they know that that area where they took it out and they they map the area they know where it right. is it's documented um it's kind of like you know and transverse colon is, is kind of simpler too right? right so that's the colon that goes straight across this way Slatter you know you and got larger. Eight, yeah ascending descending transverse right. so right you know they know exactly where to go back in and they go back in and they basically kind of uh, a more, more or around. less wrote a router around right. where they were at, you know, to make sure that it didn't penetrate into the uh, colon more. Right. And it's just a smart safety measure, per right, se. Right. So, Did you have to have any chemo or any other treatment? I did not, but the local doctors did send me to the lymphoma specialist in San Francisco, and I felt good about, you know, what he said. He basically said, no, you're just going to be on a surveillance. You're going to have a upper and lower GI every two years and a PET scan every five years. Right. And that's been my treatment since 2009. And I've been Everything clean. Everything's look good. Good. It's good. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because my mom yeah. had breast cancer twice. Uh, I shouldn't say, I don't know if it's once or twice, but she had it in one breast and then they had to go back and remove the other breast. And mm-hmm. my... I won't mention her name because I don't want to embarrass her. But my own primary care provider, she's a lady. I just found out she had breast cancer, so she's going through cancer treatment and stuff. So there's a lot of people I know. The guy who helps us keep the office clean, his wife died of pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, man. Like
0: cancer doesn't care what you do for a living, who you are. That's right. I've taken care of many nurses and many doctors in my career. It's funny the ones that end up in my infusion chair who actually I've worked with, you know, that I right. know personally.
1: Who used to be assholes to you.
0: Not necessarily. I know, but not, not necessarily. necessarily. But cancer will but humble you, you, won't it? But absolutely. Okay. And you're right. You know, that has happened, but personally I haven't had it happen. You know, I've had good no, I got good experience, you know. And it, it's been nice to see that side of them per se, because now you have them with you. They know that you care for them and you're you're one on one and being compassionate with them. It's great. I love right. it. So if they I wanted... have more, I guess, understanding of what you were doing for their patients in the area where you work with them. Absolutely, makes you appreciate you more. Yes, sir. Yeah.
1: So if I wanted to be a cancer care nurse and work in infusion center and administer chemotherapy, what would I have to do as a nurse? What would a nurse
0: need to do? The easiest answer for that is to get your chemo and biotherapy certification.
1: Is it an actual gonna... certification or is it a class?
0: It's a class and a certification that you like, get out of take. Is it, a nato- is it like
1: a national certification?
0: More or less, yeah. Okay. It's an organization that provides that for people. And then there's the OCN on top of that. And but right now the general requirements are to have the biotherapy and chemotherapy. It is through ONS as well, I believe. Which I'm is the
1: Oncology me. Nurses Society. Nurses, I got I'll got. i look right. it up and put it in for everyone. So that's
0: absolutely, I'd say, the first thing to do if I was a nurse wanting to get into oncology. And there's so much turnaround and, and need here and there with staffing. Okay. You know, nowadays, it's kind of like when you apply somewhere, it's unfortunately not as personal. It's right. like online. Right. You know, there's no like calling the manager saying, hey... This is Michael. Um wanted to talk to you to see um where you're at with your staffing. I'm interested right. in becoming a nurse. Right. Um with your program there. You yeah, know, our you... HR recruiters. Right. Exactly. Right. It's very, very disconnected. But I'm old school. I don't care. I would still go there.
1: I tell all my students that I don't give a shit what they say. You go down, knock on the door and say, Yeah, hey, Mr. Michael, man, what's the worst thing they're gonna tell you?
0: <laughs> they're gonna tell you no. But keep the going back and we get the I them, keep, going back, the grease.
1: Right. keep going back until they say, leave me alone.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know what? That is like the most important to instill in yeah. new nurses is to, I mean, you can't teach it, but right. they have to be assertive and confident. Right, And I know that comes with like time and wisdom and experience, but there's just the social skills that people have nowadays right. are so lacking compared to. To us and our generation, because because? we just don't. Yeah, exactly. They're like boobs on the boob tube there. We don't give a damn. Like, I'm very thick skin. You know, a doctor is going to yell at me and I'm going to think, what a jackass, you know, I don't really care, you know, because I know that, like, I try to make intelligent questions. I try to look for the answer before I ask for the answer. Do you know what I mean? And I think that nurses need to be taught that at an early stage because they're not taught that anymore. No, they're not. Right. But I did. I taught him I that when I was I at city college. Yeah, I did. I swear I to know. God, I, I threw it in there. It wasn't part of the curriculum, but it was part of what I was saying. I think it's important though. It's vital. I yeah, it's vital. I think that's
1: why we're in a, I think that's why we are in the situation we're in now with nursing, because we don't teach nurses to think that way and look information up for themselves and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, my niece uh, has a, a multitude of problems and she was uh, she had called me over to uh, Clovis because she was in the ED and she had pancreatitis and uh, they were going to put a Salem sump in her right which is what the most comfortable tube you can shove in somebody right (laughs) so I go there and I'm talking to the nurse her nurse is like been a nurse for like a year in ED right And she worked as a manager at Pizza Hut before that or something, right? (laughs) So I'm like, oh, Lord. So she has, an I guess, an experienced nurse come in, and she can't get the Salem sump down her, right? And then she finally grabs it, and it's – I don't know if you've been in this situation because you're a nurse. It is so hard to just sit there when you're not, like, on the time clock and just, like, take over and do it, right? Right. I just want to, like, move them the hell out of the way. And do it myself, you
1: know. I I had the same problem with my son. He was downtown in their pediatric floor because he was started on Remicade and then he went on to get a Humera. And now neither one of those is working. So now they're trying Inflectra because he's got ulcerative colitis. Okay. And they sent in a brand new nurse who never has stuck an IV in him. And she, nurses don't understand anatomy. So she stuck it in his arm, like right up in here. And she blew through the vein and. Then she comes over here and sticks it and doesn't leave the tourniquet on and blood's getting everywhere. And she calls on her, whatever the little stupid phone is. I need some help in here. I need a two by two. I'm like, why didn't you freaking bring this stuff yourself? Lady? Oh, like, really? Was, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, wow. I'm, over in the, I'm over in the chair going, Lord Jesus, please give me strength and patience. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know this about me, but I, I am a vascular access board certified nurse. So I teach this stuff and it makes me crazy.
0: Cause I'm like, you know what oncology nurses are right no we kick asphalt with starting ivs I oh, yeah, all yeah because I mean, yeah, that's
1: all you do stuff yeah
0: yeah, yeah that's... and who are the best the best are oncology nurses and, and er nurses right. sorry right you know <laughs> i but that's because we do it. i've man. had patients come to me in the clinic and say yeah i usually need an anesthesiologist to get my iv and i'm like okay and i'm just like
1: <laughs> right right <laughs> i know i love it i love it because i take pride when i start my IVs though because you, you, know, you know
0: this is kind of sick but not sick you know it's it's and, and i don't even if you i'm not, i should be saying this but like my thrill is to have like a patient and, and I'm, I'm not saying i want ill harm on a patient right, but right, i got you. you know my thrill is to like have one of my nurse buddies say hey four of us just tried on this patient and we can't right. get an IV," and i just go over there and go Bloop.
1: right i love that that's my and they are like, how come they didn't call you first? I'm like, I don't know. I ask that all the time.
0: <laughs> no, and it's even better when they go, oh, you, you got to use a 24. They ain't got nothing. Right. And then you put, like, you know, at least a 22. <laughs> right. and <it's> like, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love it, too, man, because I love
0: it. I love yeah.
1: therapy stuff. Yeah. So so last question, and I'll let you go because I know you, I've, been, I've already kept you here an hour. No worries. So
0: I don't know if you remember Pete from the – I don't know if you know who Pete I is. I do. Yeah, and I looked at his podcast, and uh, you got to do him again because it was kind of noisy.
1: I'll do him again. I'll, I'll interview him too. I love Pete. And you know like what? Pete, is, tell,
0: tell Pete. Do you know him personally? I do. I love Pete. So Pete's a beautiful our, soul. You know what it is like when there's all these women in the room because, like, most nurses are women, right? We're outnumbered, right? right. So We're a minority. With oncology, it's even worse. You know, oh, there's a majority that are just women, so. You know, I was like leeching onto the dudes there. I'm like, oh, there's another guy there. Oh, you're an oncology nurse, cool. Where do you work? And blah blah blah. Like Pete was like hanging out with you, and I didn't even know what he did there. And then I saw his podcast. I'm all, oh snap, he's one of me. He is. Like we should have been best friends. So tell him, tell him I am sorry that we didn't hang out and I'll talk get more.
1: I'll get you connected with him. I love Pete, yes, man. Sir. He, I'm not joking. No, he's Pete cool. is he's a good beautiful people. soul, man. Yeah, he's a beautiful. He soul. is. Yes. Okay. So I ask you the same thing as Kim. Why? So this is the biggest problem because I told you I teach infusion therapy. So your a lot of your I don't know if a lot, but i I'm, I would say many of your patients have some kind of implanted vascular access device, or a Mediport is what we call it. Mediport portacad. Why don't nurses? Why should they? And why don't they access those ports? Why do they insist on stabbing people? when they have access to these
0: devices so it's better for the patient. What would you say to those nurses
1: who don't know how to access those ports?
0: Be proactive, go get trained and signed off. Find out what the protocol is for your institution and get it done. Have that skill, stop torturing your patient. They're gonna come in very sick and you're gonna have an extremely terrible rapport with them because they've been told from day one, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Your nurse will be able to give your medication in there, take your blood, blah, 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 blah. You have a dual lumen port, even better money. You can get all kinds of stuff in there. And then they go to the ER or wherever. Oh, we don't touch those. What do you mean you don't touch them? Aren't you an RN? You got the same initials as my oncology nurse. So let me tell you something. I got a story on this. So where did I learn? I started as UCSF in the SNP, inpatient SNP. Didn't really get much action there. Left that place after a year. Went to Leonis Peters in a CRMC. We saw him once in a while. And I went to the boss. I said, hey, I want to access these things. How do we do this? Oh, you got to get signed off three times. So I went to my homies in home health and I went to the oncology floor and I got it done. Like in a month or less. And I was signed off. I was done. I was competent according to the policies right. of the right. hospital. And I did it, but people are proactive like that. Right. You know, but do
1: you think the, pol- do you think hospitals have policies that say don't access them or do you think they just have policies say you, we just want to make sure you're competent when you access them? Cause I don't remember, any I don't policy think there's Saint a Agnes. right. I don't remember there's any policy saying Agnes said we can't, I don't even remember that you had to go through any competency training. I don't.
0: When I worked there and I haven't worked there since 2012, by the right. way, I'm dating myself. You had to be checked off. So right. was that common knowledge? Probably not.
1: It wasn't common back then though. That was the thing. Like we didn't have right. we didn't put them in people as often as we do now, though.
0: Right. Like it's but honestly, now. every floor should have somebody trained to do that. Every right. single floor. Period. I agree. Because
1: why would we put them in the patients if they weren't necessary? And in your staff. I mean they're, patients, they're, honest,
0: honestly, they're just more common now, period, right. because people's they have like chronic conditions. They're getting chronic IVs and they're like, they're sick of it or right. this, you know, the nurses just run out of options. Well, the nurses have done how to start an IV, right? Right. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and then they put it in. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so
1: is, is there anything you want to share with us? Anything you want us to know about you, your network, anything else you'd like before we wrap things up?
0: Well yeah, I mean the uh, Women's Cancer Research Network, like I was saying, how it came about. So why are we here? You know, the the simple answer is without having like a robust clinical trial program in an area and we're we're focusing on breast and gynon, those patients have to go to UCSF, those patients have to go to UCLA, they have to go to Stanford. That's a taxing effort for right. families. And what what happens there? The physicians sometimes lose their patients. You know they'll end up just seeing that principal investigator at the academic site and it's bad for local business and you're you're here locally i am here locally but we are trying to have a local regional and national footprint you know you You got to start somewhere we're starting local all right yep and we just have to have more opportunities here in fresno period you know because everybody's running out of treatment options and we have to bring them more options. And and those are only done through clinical trials. People should understand that this is, the research is a necessary evil for evolution of medicine. You know, we have new medicine now that's targeted therapy because of people that have participated in clinical trials. You know, if you're not doing it for yourself, because depending on the trial design and phase, there could be a benefit for you. You're doing it for your sons and your daughters, you know, or right. your granddaughters and your grandson that's right. That's right or just somebody else, you know
1: period I appreciate
0: that and I appreciate yeah, that.
1: so my mission, no joke. I want to start an infusion center here in Madeira. People are laughing at me because they're like, "Who wants to come to Madeira, but we need these facilities to help people, so that's my mission. so if you ever want to help me, even if it's a cancer infusion center, I'm okay with that.
0: I'm down. I can at least help you design it and uh. I can uh, help you get per diem staff because, you know, I know everybody and, you know, a few people. Right. Absolutely.
1: I, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you taking your I'll, time out of your your morning and I'll let you know and I'll send all this stuff to Mackenzie too, so she can use it as well. And I appreciate absolutely. You your time and I hope we get to see each other again. And I'll hook you yeah. and Pete up as well.
0: Well, hey, man, like invite me have a panel discussion with a couple of nurses and some yeah. topics, you know, invite me, you know, whatever is relevant. I don't know what I can, you no, know, you I know, my a, experience. So
1: I have a friend that I work with now. Her name is Maggie Ortiz. She does legal nurse consulting and legal charting. And so we're talking about having a conference in the summertime. So if you're interested, if you want to be a part of that, seriously.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hit me up.
1: All right, man. I appreciate you. All right, Kevin. All right, have man, a good day, sir. You too. You have a good day, Stay man. Here. Thank you very much. Uh-huh.
0: Don't miss out, engage with us weekly, share your thoughts, and let's transform the nursing landscape together.